The Isle of Imaginaria, Chapter 3 Marky propped open the door and followed Crow through the back entrance to the palace. It was dark inside, except for the dim lights above the art on the walls. Marky tried to orient herself. It didn't feel like a palace. Or at least it didn't feel like what she thought a palace would feel like. The ceilings were very high, and it felt grand, but there was not a lot of furniture. And what was there was very minimal. There were no decorations or knickknacks or rugs. It looked very impersonal. She was hoping this meant she was in the right place. It looked a lot like a museum. Maybe it was the flight museum she was looking for. She walked around the room, scanning for anything that would make sense. But why was the palace closed? She didn't have a plan for sneaking in. Now what? Marky wondered, was this the lobby? Or the library? And where was Crow? He's sort of the one that got her into this. She walked towards the light she could see coming from a hallway. And there was Crow. He seemed so carefree. Maybe he knew this place. Marky followed. The hallway was wide and very well lit. The bright lights almost hurt Marky's eyes. Paintings lined both sides of the hallway. One side had paintings of the royal family. The other side was lined with paintings of legendary kite fighters. The hallway opened into a showroom of artifacts and memorabilia. There was an antique whistle, a canteen, and an old team jersey. She read each plaque and wondered, why had it been a decade since the last fight? And while Marky continued reading, her mom and Aunt Delia were across town in Powdan reading her runaway note. Marky studied the paintings of the royal court. She noticed that most lived in the grandest palace, but... The king and queen lived in an even grander, grandest palace in the town of Darkton. It was just like the land of Dan, just dark. There was no mention on any of the plaques why the king and queen lived in Darkton instead of the land of Dan, and it all seemed so strange to Marky. She kept going. She found a room that showcased old clothing worn by the royals and athletes representing the land of Dan during the kite fights. Marky moved slowly to view the displays. Each case was lit from the bottom. The colors inside were vibrant and striking. One year, everyone wore red. The gown, capes, jumpsuits, and cloaks Everything was a shade or hue of red. 
The next year, everyone wore orange. And the same thing. Every gown, cape, jumpsuit, and cloak was in some shade or hue of orange. Then yellow. And green. Then blue, indigo, and violet. The room was alive with color. Each year, the clothing and fabric evolved. But there was always a color. Then, Marky came to a section that was not lit. She looked around for a light switch or a cord to jiggle, but then Marky's eyes started to adjust a little, and she could see. It wasn't just that the lights were out. Even the clothes were dark. There were shades and tones of gray, brown, and black. Everything looked dusty and stiff. But Marky was drawn to the queen's crown. The style had not changed since it turned dark. It was so black that it was almost purple or green. Her cape was made entirely of feathers. And the gown was twice as tall as Marky, which meant the queen must be around eight feet tall. Marky stepped in closer to read the plaque. The gown vibrated and shook. It's you. You, shush. You're not the queen. You almost scared the crap out of me. Annie and Delia exited their cab. They barely spoke to each other on the way there. They were both nervous, but very determined to find Marky. Their anxiety grew as they got closer. They walked the entire boardwalk with no sign of Marky. Annie's heart sank further when they saw the closed for business sign posted at the front entrance. They stood to watch the prancing donkeys. The few seconds of comic relief were necessary. And then Annie noticed a long trail of birdseed. She hoped Marky had left her some sort of clue. They followed the trail until they heard a voice coming from up high. You missed her by ten minutes. Annie looked up to find a man on stilts wearing a cowboy hat and a blue and red plaid shirt. This is where I stand to prep my bird feeders. I saw everything. Annie and Delia watched him dip popsicle sticks into something sticky and then into birdseed. He moved a row of feed sticks from a foldable tray around his waist to little hooks inside of his trench coat. I saw her climb the wall, right there. She went into the kite museum. Annie, Delia, and a Land of Dan security guard followed the sound of the voices coming from the showcase room. It's not room. my fault. It's yours, and you know it is. Yes, sir, that's her. Hey, you. What are you doing here? Terrified, Marky spun around. The ride home to Aunt Delia's was much different in a taxi cab than it was on the SkyTrain. Marky couldn't remember a time when her mother was this upset. The mood had shifted from earlier. The excitement of being in a new city faded. 
Annie didn't point out Christmas lights and museums to Marky. Instead, she pointed out how much things would be different now and how long she would be grounded. Marky's attention faded in and out of the lecture. She wondered why her mom asked her but didn't give her a chance to answer. Marky felt frustrated and alone. Aunt Delia said goodnight to Marky and Annie and excused herself from the kitchen so they could talk alone. But their alone time was short-lived. When Marky mentioned following a crow, her mom said, Marky, we'll talk about this when you can take it seriously. Good night. Marky sat alone at the same kitchen counter that was full of life earlier. She glanced up and saw the tray of cookies her mom and Aunt Delia had made earlier. Her eyes swelled with tears. On the other side of the house, Annie tucked herself into bed after a long first night in a new place. She felt frustrated and alone. Her eyes swelled with tears. I'd love to start with a bad pun here, but I just don't know how you're going to take it. Marky turned around to see who was there, but there was no one. Who said that? Who's there? Joy to the world. Hey, man, it's me down here. Marky played along but was reluctant when all she saw was a green leafy cabbage thing staring up at her. I really don't know what's worse, your pun or your singing voice. You know, it's Christmas time. I'm a bok choy. Joy to the world. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I get it. So, balked my original thought. <laughs> Get it? Balked my original thought? Who are you, and why are you being punny now? Just kick me when I'm down. Well, my name is Baby Balk. I'm not a baby, though. So I go by five. Oh, you're five years old. No, of course not. I'm ten. There's five letters in my name, though. Duh. Marky mouthed the letters as she counted on her fingers. One, two, three, and thought, "Mm, okay. Well, my name is Marky. What are you doing here? I could ask you the same thing. I'm not used to seeing little girls in here crying while I'm getting ready for work. First of all, I am not little. I'm ten, and I'm not crying. Oh yeah, you were. I saw it. Well, I did just get grounded, and the tears never fell. I wasn't crying. And what do you mean, work? What kind of work are you doing this time of night? I'm waiting on the truck to arrive for the produce pickup. My dad and I gather the veggies from Aunt Delia's garden. Then we take them to the floating market. I work with my dad most of the morning, but then I have all afternoon to explore. Have you had one of those upside-down ice cream cones yet? Yeah, well, thanks for rubbing it in my face. Of course I'd like to go there. Maybe a while, though. I tried to explore. Didn't work out so good because of my mom. All right, all right. Well, I'd love to stay for this pity party, but I've got to get Bach to work. Hey, it's not a pity party. It's the truth, baby Bach. Okay, well, I'll make you a deal. If you still want to explore, you can ride with me to the market. But then I get to hang out all afternoon with you. 
Are you serious? Of course I'm not doing that. I'm not that desperate. All right. Well, just be sure to look out your window then. I'll wave to you. Marky walked slowly back to her bedroom. Her stomach got a weird pit every time she thought about waving goodbye to Five from her bedroom window. Maybe she did want to go. Five made her laugh. She enjoyed those few minutes of friendship. In her room, Marky felt alone. Her mom seemed so different now, now that she had Aunt Delia. She looked out of the window and watched a man hold traffic while a lady backed a big truck up to the sidewalk. Together, they rolled up the back door and began loading in crates of vegetables from the sidewalk. Marky tightened her focus. She saw five. He was also on the sidewalk, twirling, skipping, cartwheeling, and laughing. She remembered how great laughter used to feel. It seemed so long ago. She wasn't desperate, but Marky was curious. So she used the same technique as earlier to sneak out, but this time the note read, Floating Market, instead of Kite Field. By the time she made it out to the sidewalk, she was too late, though. The truck engine was running, the door was closed, and Five was nowhere in sight. Just as Marky turned to go back inside, a loud and familiar voice shouted, Boo! and swooped past her face. Unfazed, Marky giggled at Five and said, That prank was so basic. For gun hanging all day, you'll have to step up your game. And besides, how did you know I would show up? Well, after our conversation in the kitchen, I knew you'd either be watching me or joining me. I didn't see you in the window. Well, all of that is true, but joining you for what? How will I sneak in now? That's not a problem. Come on. Five jumped onto the back of the truck and tapped on the door in a pattern of beats. Marky was doubtful, but also intrigued. She moved closer to the truck, and all of a sudden, the back door rolled up. She and Five quickly jumped inside and tugged on a chain to close the door. For a moment, it was dark and cold and very quiet. Hey, it's all right, y'all. She's with us. The refrigerated box truck came alive. Cheers, high fives, raucous laughter. Carrots, eggplants, and potatoes twirled. The Brussels sprouts bounced off the walls. The kale and asparagus formed a conga line, while the beets and squash held hands. Marky sat in the corner and tried to make sense of what was happening. She looked at Five, who was smiling from leaf to leaf, and taking turns beatboxing with the broccoli. Their eyes connected. Five winked at Marky and jumped onto her shoulder. The jig was impeccably timed. As soon as the truck turned onto the final stretch of road before the market, everyone returned to their crates and boxes. Marky and Five raised the door enough to slide out as soon as the truck stopped. 
I thought I'd give you a quick tour while everybody unloads. I love this place. Come on. <laughs> 